Hello and welcome into the 24-7 Sports College Football Recruiting Podcast. My name is Andrew Ivins, Director of Scouting for 24-7 Sports. Got a special guest today on the show, uh, another college football coach, probably one of the top defensive line coaches in America, Charlie Partridge, who is at the University of Pittsburgh. Charlie, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, man. It's great to be on with you. It was great to see you last weekend, and uh, I'm 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 excited to be on the show. I think the world of uh of you and and everything you produce. So I'm excited to talk to you, man. Yeah, you know, uh, we go back. I don't think people people realize <laughs> that you were the head coach at Florida Atlantic when I was a uh, a student there many years ago. Uh, I remember covering the Owls. Um, I remember interviewing you, and then. Uh, <laughs> You know, you've climbed through the ranks and we wanted to get you on the podcast because me and my co-host Cooper Patagna, he's off this week. You know, we we admire your defensive line play. Uh, I think it speaks for itself and then just kind of how you attack things on the recruiting trail. And really, I was trying to come up with a witty question to kick this interview off and I couldn't I couldn't find one. So I'm just going to ask, you know, how do you continue to prove our rankings wrong and turn these, you know, quote unquote, three-star prospects into uh, elite defensive linemen that a, a lot of them are going off to the NFL. You know, it's funny. You couldn't come up with a witty, uh, a witty question. Cause I probably wouldn't have a witty answer anyway. So, um, you know, we, we had talked a little bit about it Saturday. So I, I thankfully I've had a little time to think about it. And to be honest with you, I think uh, a big part of it is, is really finding a fit for your system. You know, I think, I think there's a lot of guys out there that, and I get it. I do. I mean, what, what I'm saying is I think there's a lot of recruiters out there that are chasing highly ranked players and listen, high, highly ranked players obviously have talent, but you could get, I could, I could recruit a four or five star guy that in no way fits our system and it would be a failure. You know what I mean? So I think over the years I've kind of learned to find a guy that fits what we are fits what we do and, and and hopefully find some of those intangibles that allow him to be able to carry the burden of uh of me as a hard coach and, and I'm not I'm not so hard to the point we, we have a, a, an, an extremely fun time in our room uh but it's it takes some time to develop and that's what I mean by hard is you're gonna have to weather the storm at times uh of maybe it's gonna be a year or two you're not gonna get it right when you want it um so it's looking for all those things that fit those those uh, those categories allow you to develop, if that makes sense. No, it, it does, and I, I got some follow ups there, but I I just want to kind of give listeners, you know, your background and your resume. You know, I said you're one of the top defensive line coaches in the country. I mean, you're a two time winner of Football Scoops National Defensive Line Coach of the Year award. You just won it here in 2022, uh, Pittsburgh. Your, your Panthers. Second, or second nationally in sacks with 48 sacks. You had 18 different players that uh, recorded at least half a sack during the season. Everyone knows the name Collage Cansey. Uh, went in the first round of the NFL draft, number 21 overall, to uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But you've churned out some other guys while there in, in the Steel City. Patrick Jones at third round in, in 2021. Rashad Weaver, uh, J- Jalen Til- uh, Twyman in the sixth round. And then you know, when you start going through your resume, when you were at Wisconsin, when J.J. Watt was there, you were at Arkansas when Trey Flowers was there, uh, you were at FAU when Trey Hendrickson was there, uh, you've been all over the place. And and uh, what's it been like just kind of riding the journey of, of being a coach? 
It's, uh, I mean, obviously there's times like any job. I mean, I'm sure your journey in journalism uh, has had its ups and its downs. Um, but at the end of the day, you must love what you do because you're really good at it. And I don't think you get good at something unless you enjoy the majority of what you do. I love to coach. I think that was challenge, to be honest with you, uh, as a head coach, is I missed coaching. I was spending so much time being a CEO. Uh, I love being in a room with the guys and helping them develop. Um, it's been an amazing ride. And, and like you said, I've, I've been very, very fortunate. I've been blessed to work with great coaches. Um, that kind of goes all the way back to most of your listeners may or may not have ever heard of Drake University, right? right. But Drake is, Drake is where I played. I went from growing up in South Florida to signing day came and went for me. I was a small college fair guy, right? So I went to Drake University. But at that time, we had a great head coach who made the experience incredible. And then uh, teammates were Dave Dorn, head coach at NC State, Chris Ash, the secondary coach for, for the Raiders, uh, Brendan Daly, who's a D-line coach, now the linebacker coach for the Kansas City Chiefs. And, and I can go on and on with some sex, uh, successful high school coaches. So, you know, early I, I was around some guys that loved the sport and because of that wanted to get into college coaching. And uh, now we're in, in the NFL. So the journey is hard to even e even – Describe how great it's been. I mean, it's had its ups, its downs. And, um, you know, when when I got fired at FAU, that was certainly a down moment. Um, but I remember, you know, there was a couple months there before I got hired at Pitt after that time. And I just kept saying to myself, I'm I'm going to be, you know, one of the best. I, I never thought the best, right? And I still don't think the best. But my goal was to be one of the best developers of D-linemen in, in the country. And, and that was truly one of my goals and nothing else. And thankfully, I, I've gotten into a, a phenomenal system of defense. Coach Narduzzi's system has been fun to learn, uh, and it's really D-line friendly, which allows our guys to be aggressive. And because uh, of that, we've been up there in the country in sacks every year the last four or five years, and uh, it's been a fun ride. There's, there's, like I said, been ups and downs along the way. So you know, that's that's the witty, or that's the information I was trying to find. You know, I <laughs> I went through a bunch of Google searches. I, I okay, so you're at Drake when. When Dave Doran and Chris Ash were there, you guys were all, I mean, were any of them were your roommates or what was uh, Dave, that like? Dave, Dave, Dave was, and um, me and Dave lived together. And um, me, and, me and Chris, we ran in the same circles. And Brendan Daly, same thing. Um, I know Brendan Daly might not be as known to the to the college fans, but he's a long time. I think he has, God, Andrew, I think he has five Super Bowl rings now because he was with uh, Coach Belichick at New England and then has since gone to, to, to Kansas City. And, um, you know, so, yeah, the, the group of us were together. Our spring breaks when we got into coaching, so I won't bore you, but I coached high school for one year and then went back to Drake to coach. We were all coaching together, and our spring break, we literally picked a highway and went down to other colleges' spring football and just begged them to let us in the door. I met the likes of Phil Bennett and, and, and you know, who's a legendary defensive coordinator, and I can go on and on, but I remember one year we picked I-35, and now we got after it the night before, but we were the first <laughs> ones at the door because we were at that age, right? So, I mean, we'd go out late at night, but we were at 6 o'clock. We were banging on the door waiting for somebody to show up, and we earned some respect. They kind of knew us as the Drake guys, and, you know, the only other sidebar I'll tell you is, have you ever been to the coaches' convention? Yeah. Have you ever yeah. been to that? So. For those that don't know, listeners, I mean, it's it's you're talking. Am I exaggerating if I say ten to fifteen thousand coaches? It's insane. It's it, it's like being at a theme park almost in terms of the it, volume of people. There's no doubt. And I remember the first year we went there, it was in Dallas at the Anatol, and we knew nobody. It was 
me, Dave, and Chris, I'll never forget this. We walked through the lobby, didn't know a soul, walked all the way back through, didn't know a soul. And we looked at, at each other and said, this sucks. And, and we ended up going out that night and we came back. It was probably two or three in the morning when we got back to the hotel and it was still packed. And we all said to each other that night where I remember we were looking over, you know, the Anatol is kind of like the old school embassy suites. You can look into the lobby from your room. And I remember we were looking down and saying, you know what, someday we are all going to be all over the country and we'll better understand why these guys are still in the lobby because it's a bunch of guys who were together that spread apart and now have this chance to to kind of hang out with each other. And, and somehow it happened. I don't know how, but somehow <laughs> it happened. <laughs> so you go from Wisconsin, uh, stop at Arkansas, right? And, and yep. then you're, you're hired at Florida Atlantic. We, you, yep. you brought that up. Um, and, and then you returned to Pittsburgh to, to mm. work for Pat Narduzzi. What's yep. it like just being a part of his staff and, and what have you learned from him? And, and you keep mentioning his, his defensive system and, and picking yeah. that up, you know, what, what's it been like just learning from him and, and working, you know, side by side with a defensive minded head coach like that? Yeah, it's, it's been awesome. Um, his, his defense is actually one that I didn't know coach Narduzzi before I came here. Um, but, but I had studied his defense um, un- with several other, uh, uh, you know, colleagues that I've worked with over the years. There's this unique blitz system that he has that we have um, that, that has a unique coverage behind it. I won't bore you with the, with the technicalities of it, but it's, it, it appears to be uh, uh, risky. You know, I mean, it looks like if you don't know what's going on and you just threw the film on, you would think there's people open all over the field. That's the simplest way I can describe it, right? And and several times, Paul Rhodes was a guy I studied it with. Dave Dorn is a guy I studied it with. Chris Ash is a guy I studied it with. And we all had the same conclusion. We can't run this. There's guys open all over the field. So now I get here and I really learn, and I can't talk too much about it, but I learned the inside magic of all the things that make it work. Um, on top of the fact that our structure is such that it really is, like I said, D-line friendly. We're, we're aggressive with our coverage structure, so that allows our, our D-line to be aggressive up the field um, and, and all those things, learning how to manage that and where where the risks can be taken um, and, and how aggressive you can really be is, has been a fantastic thing to learn. It's been awesome. So obviously you're, you're looking for guys that fit the system, right? Yes. But is there any kind of like, certain qualifiers or disqualifiers for you when you're out on the road or you're, mm-hmm. you're going through film? I mean, is there certain things like, all right, he's got to be able to do this and that's a requirement to play for Charlie Partridge. <laughs> it, 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 sure. Right. And, and it's not Charlie Partridge, it's Charlie Partridge in this system. Because honestly, a lot of the guys that I recruited to Wisconsin, that Bo Allen, um, Bo, Bo Allen was, uh, and you wouldn't know this name. You're not, maybe you would cause you're, a freak show about players around the country, but this was a kid we, we uh, recruited. He was fairly highly ranked from Minnetonka, Minnesota. Played for the Bucks for four or five years, won a Super Bowl with the Eagles. He had a great career. He, I would not recruit him to pit. We begged for him at Wisconsin. He, he fit. He fit what we did. Um, you know, it was very much gap control. Um, you know, dominate the guy across from you. You're not allowed to get reached, things like that where here there are some parameters that allow you to get reached 
And there's there's like anything, there's guardrails to it. You can't go crazy. But so to answer your question, the, the things that are a qualifier for the pit system, if you're an interior guy, the smaller you are, the faster you have to. You know, Kalijah Cansey, when he came out in Miami Northwestern, he was about 250. And in the spring of his junior year, there was very few people on him. Some of the, the power fives came on him. And you know his story. Um, some guys came in late, but it was too late. You know, he was just a tremendous fit. Some things that regardless of system that are non-qualifiers for me, if if I get the hint that you don't love the game, uh, I'm going to struggle to continue to recruit you. And sometimes we were talking about a young man who, you know, I have to leave nameless on Saturday. Yeah. I think he loves the game. I, I think there's just there's things he has to learn, you know, and, and part of that is getting to know a young man, asking him questions and being direct with him about, hey, I noticed this. Um, why? And, and if you ask the direct question and you feel good about the answer, then he may be able to. It's not as simple as looking at a film and the play is away and the guy doesn't run to the ball. There's a lot of 16, 17 year old kids that don't even understand what you're talking about. Right. So you try to get deeper in on this thing and figure out do they really love football and, and do they love it enough where during that developmental phase, because that redshirt year was hard on Kalijah. You know, Kalijah wanted to come in and he wanted to play. And then when he went down and he was on what we call rocks, that's our scout team. Five, he was dominant. I mean, he was smoking guys, but I still knew he wasn't ready. Right. And, and to his credit, he weathered that storm. And then, you know, the rest of what happened is, is history, right? So, so it's a combination of character traits and what physical traits fit into our defense. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. You've been in the game for quite some time, and obviously we're in a new era of college football with the transfer <laughs> portal and the NIL. And I, I don't really want to get too much into that, but – how much more important is that character checking off those boxes and doing homework for a school like Pittsburgh, right? I mean, you guys obviously have success, just had six guys drafted in the NFL draft, mm -hmm. but you're not going to have access to some of the kids that some of the some of the blue bloods are are after. So, sure. you know, how much how much homework are you trying to do on each prospect you you recruit? I, I think to answer your question, relative to to the new day and age, um, I, I think finding someone who displays characteristics of loyalty to a degree. The portal has lived in South Florida forever. Like those high school, you can't complain about the portal in South Florida because those coaches just laugh at you and say, we've been dealing with the portal for 20 years. Sounds like your problem, right? Um, you know, so, so there's certainly traits that we're looking for because like you said, for the most part, we're a developmental program. We're not unwilling to go to the portal if we have a hole to fill. The, the danger is if you, you have some young players that you're developing and you bring somebody in from the portal, you could be unintentionally sending a message to those younger players. And then it could start to feed itself if you're not careful. And this is what we're careful about. Um, now those younger players, they get frustrated because it's about to be their turn and then they go in the portal. And now all of a sudden you have this cycle of young player in, young player out, fill it with a portal um, it's, it's something to be very mindful of. Uh, so we are looking hard at character and hoping we can find guys that, like I said, can weather the storm of their development if they're not going to play right away. Because to me, like you said, some of the guys that, you know, we may or may not get at this point, um, the only difference is in our opinion, if we've evaluated well is how long until they play. 
right? Some of those, some of those four and five star guys are closer from a talent standpoint to being ready now, you know, where our guys need some development, whether it's physical or playbook or details. Like a lot of our guys, they make a lot of plays and it's funny because it comes full circle. A lot of our guys, when they're doing interviews and they're at the combines uh, and, and it comes to football knowledge, they blow away some of the, the, the prospects from the blue bloods when it goes from here to the NFL, because during that developmental time, they're learning football beyond what a lot of other guys do. Spending time on the scout team. Uh, I always tell high school coaches down in South Florida, they can't complain about the transfer portal because as soon as they'll turn around right away and try to sell you on a kid that's one of, one of their former kids that's in the transfer portal. I'm like no. it, it can't, it can't, it can't be both ways guys. Um, yeah, that's right. But you, you are, you, you, uh, I was with some, some younger coaches the other day and you weren't around uh, on the sideline and, you know, they, they kind of brought up how down in South Florida, I, I won't bring up this coach's name, you know, you kind of pointed him in the, in the right direction. And, uh, mm. I'll, I'll never forget one of the, the first questions I had for you when you were at FAU, right? We, we knew you were, had ties to South Florida. You were, you were a guy that went and got Alex Collins, uh, the five-star running back to up to Arkansas. And I, I asked you, you know, how many high schools are you going to, are you going to be able to do in a day down here mm. in mm. Broward and Palm? And you turned to me and said, I, I'm not trying to hit as many as I can. It's, it, that's not what it's about down in South Florida. It's all about the relationships and, getting to know the coaches and, and and it's not, you're not trying to, you know, churn and burn. You're trying to spend time and, and invest. So someone that has, I think, navigated the waters down here, what, what's it like just, you know, trying to tame the beast that is South Florida and, and then get those guys up to Pittsburgh or, or wherever you might be. Yeah, it's, it's uh, the, the toughest part to navigate, especially in spring is like you said, you, you want to build these relationships, but, where I think sometimes I feel like I'm letting somebody that I care about, and I'm talking about a high school coach down, is we can get to whatever our, our you know, number of schools for the day goal is, you can get that done during the day, right? And, and my goal is somewhere between five and seven. You could get to nine or 10 schools, but kind of what we just talked about, you're, you're going to be in and out and the guy's going to forget that you were there. So I'm somewhere between five and seven. The challenge is getting to practices. That one is challenging to navigate. So going into spring, this is one example, you are begging for early information in terms of an off-time practice, like Columbus practices at five, whatever, 45 in the morning. Uh, St. Thomas had a one week there where they were going at six in the morning. Booker T. Washington goes from five to seven at the park right down the street. So you're trying to find all those off normal times of practice and then you build your day out from there and if you can find a saturday scrimmage like in you know if you're recruiting south florida you better take advantage of some saturdays then you get the real evaluation then it's just a matter of being honest right and sometimes they may not like what you tell them you know that that, that you know you try to make it a soft landing because every high school coach wants all of their players to go to the highest level they can and 90% of them don't oversell, but they they want you to give them a good evaluation. And if it doesn't work out, um, you know, you just explain to them, listen, he's, he's a really good player. He's just not a fit or the timing isn't right. Um, navigating those waters are a challenge. And then the other challenge is, honestly, is coming down there. You better, better be writing in pencil because the reality is where he was in the fall is probably different than he is in the spring. And it could change again in the fall and tracking all that. You guys, you know, 247 and the like are – 
are great at helping us with that, to be honest with you, uh, if a kid is a transfer. Um, so that's another one. And there's there's a ton of challenges. You brought up something interesting, you know, going to practices. And I think a lot of fans of college football, you know, as we get through this cycle, you know, we just had a rankings update. Kids are moving up and down and and people are like, well, what changed, right? You know, what changed? Uh, the, the film's the same and all that, but how key are like the in-person eye tests for you guys on that side? Like getting out, seeing a kid practice, seeing a kid move around, seeing if he's actually six foot one or if he's six foot. Like how 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 key is that for you specifically when it comes to your evaluations and building out your board? Yeah, I think it's the key, especially in an area with the volume that South Florida has. I mean. It's funny because you, you think you get to a point where there's still no stone to be unturned. There really is. And, and it's like you said, it's the in-person evaluation. You also get to evaluate the intangibles. We know that. And you want if, and, and you talked about, is he really six foot or six two? If you want to get yourself from our perspective in trouble with a head coach really quick, go ahead and say in a, meet, in a staff meeting that a kid is six foot and he comes in and he's 5'10". Because look out, here it comes, you know, and, and being able to confirm that is critical. I'm going to put you on the spot here. You probably not are not prepped for this, but since you have recruited South Florida for so many cycles, is there one kid that you didn't get, but you were, you wished like, hey, like this guy would have been perfect for me in my system or, or someone that, you know, maybe you just admired from a distance that you knew wasn't realistic? Well, it's uh, it's it's probably a different spin on the question. <laughs> This was my first time at Pitt. For the listeners that don't know, this is actually my second time at Pitt. Yeah, you're at 12 years right now, right? 12 seasons? Yeah, I'm going on 12 total. Yeah, seventh on this run. My first year recruiting, my first year at Pitt, so this is 03, something like that. Recruited a kid out of Pahokee. He was now it's harder to get away with today because of social media and there's you know tracking you everywhere. But I recruited a young man named Alfonso Smith. And he was committed to Pitt for a long time. He ended up going to Wake Forest. Well, again, I was young. I was I was uh, living in Utopia. He was committed. Well, back then, the listeners and, and, and you, I mean, probably is hard to imagine. Kids could sneak on official visits. So he snuck on a trip. I didn't know that he was going to Wake Forest until signing day. That was rough. That's the one that got that's one of the ones that got that's, away. That's that's the one that, that got away. And, and it was. Listen, like I said, he was a great player. He would have been a great player at Pitt. He's a great kid. It, it was an extreme heartbreaking lesson in terms of don't bury your head in the sand. Keep asking the questions. Keep keep asking all the people around him what's going on. Don't assume a thing and, until that paper comes through. And nowadays with the portal, right, we're, we're, we're not recruiting. I know a lot of people say you got to recruit your own roster. That's just treating them right and telling them the truth, right? But there is truth to that. Don't bury your head in the sand with your own roster, kind of like I did with Fonzo on the recruiting trail. And, it, you know, it, if you assume everything's fine and you're not checking on one of your own players and he comes in after spring and says, I'm going in the portal, you you, you own part of that. Just like I own part of that with Fonzo, uh, you own part of that then. So that was, that was a huge, huge lesson for me. This, this kind of transitions well into my next thing. We're in what? I don't even know. Year three, four, or five of of summer official visits. You guys yep. at at Pittsburgh, I think, embraced it way before others, much before others, in terms of bringing in big groups in in June before the July dead period. And I know you can't obviously name specific names, but just you know, 
What's the thought process behind that? I think you've told me in the past, you get a kid from South Florida or other parts of the country, you drop them in Pittsburgh, it's a city, right? They see that you guys practice right in the same areas as the Pittsburgh Steelers. So you know, how, how important is just June for you? You come off the spring evaluation period. I'm assuming you have this Memorial Day weekend off, and then it, it's really full go and recruiting until July 4th. It's a big period for us, you know, and it's 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 not even about the weather right that's that's not it it's uh it's it's a time where quite honestly we've fallen in love with june visits more than the old december visits just because we feel like you know you hope you're in bowl practices at that point when we bring a young young man and his family in june we're able to commit that whole weekend to strengthening the relationship with him and his family i mean that weekend is all about them and and obviously you know telling them what the strengths are of pittsburgh I know we've talked about the evaluation process on the defensive side of the ball, but Narduzzi and, and the and the you guys have it going really across the board. I mean, six draft picks again in 2023. You know, none of those guys were what we would call "quote unquote" blue chip prospects. So, what is what is the philosophy? I mean, what what is it like sitting in a, a recruiting meeting and you know what what's the message coming from the head man about what you guys are trying to find? Well, I, I think a number of things. Um, again, it's kind of Fonzo related, but not really. It's kind of along those lines. Listen, we're going to go after everybody that we think it could contribute at Pitt. The thing we got to do is not get so caught up in, because this is a young recruiter mistake, in my opinion. You can get lost going after your dream guy. If you don't get your dream guy, and if you weren't smart about your board, you could go from A plus down to a C like that. When we're looking at, at, at our recruiting board, we have a system where we can kind of indicate how we feel the recruiting is going, right? Do we have a great shot? Uh, you know, is it one out of five? I'm not going to bore you with details of that, but it gives you a pretty quick snapshot because I think sometimes you could look up at the board and see 10 magnets at, at any given position running back. But if you really look at it, eight of them might be guys that you're not going to get. I wanted to ask you kind of about your uh, defensive line outlook here in, in 2023. I mean, you lose a first-round pick, uh, yeah. an all-ACC defensive player of the year, but mm-hmm. I, I peeked at the two deep, and you got projected. I mean, I don't know who did this projection, but five right. or four seniors are, are, are going to replace. Um, you know, just how how excited about are you about that group and uh, so maybe some of the other guys that are in the chamber, you know, kind of yeah. in that room that we don't know about yet. Who who do we need to know about, I guess? Uh, I, I think a couple of the top ones are, are uh, David Green, and then I have three six-year D tackles coming back. Two of the three six-year guys are, are from Pittsburgh. Um, De- Devin De- Danielson, who's from Thomas Jefferson, a storied program up here, and David Green from Central Catholic. Those two guys are in quality players. On the outside, Dayon Hayes is ready to explode. He had a really good game down there uh, in, in uh, uh, you know, Joe Robbie. I can't believe I said that. Hard Rock no, that, Stadium. That, make, that yeah. makes you a South Florida native, right? Yeah. There, Joe Robbie. <laughs> that was not on purpose. Um, so, you know, uh, uh, Dayon Hayes is going to be a great one. Um, Sam, Sam Okanlola, uh, his brother Samson is actually a freshman this year at Miami, kid from Boston. He's doing a great job. Nikai Johnson, who's one of our higher-ranked recruits coming out of high school, he had a great spring. So I think we have some depth. I think it's going to be one of those things where early in the year we're going to play good football. And I think by midseason, 
we could explode and, and be another great defensive line. But you said in terms of names to know, Devin Danielson, Dayon Hayes, Nakai Johnson, Sam Okanlola, you know, those guys jump off the tape. Okay. So Joe Robbie, does that mean make you a, a Dolphins fan? Like are you are you a fan of the South Florida sports teams or are you uh, following the Heats run and the Panthers run? Or? Uh, uh, I know about Jimmy Buckets. I'm not a hockey guy, so I can't speak much to hockey. I'm I'm excited that they're they're doing well, but I I am a Dolphin. There there's not many teams where I get that childhood feeling. The Dolphins, I do. Uh, I grew up. I, I was at the the '85 Dolphins Monday night versus the Bears when they were undefeated. I was at that game with my dad. I'll never forget it in the Orange Bowl. Um, when I see Dan Marino, which he's a, a pit alum for those who don't know and I see him a decent amount, I still get fan-like feelings. I get nervous around him. It's the stupidest thing ever. <laughs> and he knows it, and he kind of makes fun of me, but I do. So, yeah, I'm a huge Dolphins fan. Um, you know, I could tell a million stories about watching the Dolphins uh, uh, in the Orange Bowl that have great, great memories of those those days. Do you have a former player that's lined up for suited up for the Dolphins yet or no? Uh, Jalen Twyman's there now. Okay. Yeah, Jalen Twyman's there, which is awesome. Well, Charlie, man, I uh, I don't want to keep you too long. I know uh, you're back off the road. Got to get to the family. I, I really appreciate just kind of the insight and in terms of peeling back the layer and, and uh, what you guys look for, how you've been able to produce Sunday players. It's It's been awesome to kind of uh, admire from a distance. Mm, well, I appreciate it. And I mean this for the listeners and for your colleagues. Uh, we, as an industry, trust you. And, and obviously, sometimes that, that media to coach thing can get a little silly, but uh, we think a lot of you, and I appreciate what you do. So thank you. Of course, man. Well, hey, you guys are listening to the 24-7 Sports College Football Recruiting Podcast. That is Pittsburgh associate head coach, defensive line coach, two-time football scoop defensive line coach of the year, uh, Charlie Parsons. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, and we will be talking to you guys next time.